Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Amen. Let me make sure I'm on here. We're good to go. You guys can hear me? Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Awesome. Are you guys ready to hear the Word of God this morning? Yes. Awesome. Thank you. I'm excited to uh, share with you. I really do believe that God has a Word this morning. I believe with all my heart. I've been praying on it this week and just really asking the Lord to move in a powerful way. And I really believe that there's going to be a shift, just like Pastor Rod said. There's going to be a shift in the church. I believe God is up to something big. I know that the enemy has taken, the church has taken some hits by the enemy, but I believe God is so much bigger, so much bigger. The gates of hell will not prevail. So I just want to encourage you guys this morning. I really want to bring hope to you guys this morning. My heart is that your, your love tank would be full, but I want to challenge you this morning, and I want to spur you on to good works. And I just want to begin by saying this. You were made for this. You were made for this moment in history. Yeah. You were made to be heard and to hear, to see and to be seen, to love and to be loved. You were made to flourish. I believe that with all of my heart. And have you ever really just kind of stepped back in life and just kind of looked at what was going on and really asked yourself, I'm made for this moment, am I? I'm made for this moment. And as terrifying and as beautiful as that may sound, I truly believe that you and I were made for this moment in history. I believe that God wants to use you today. Not when you get older, smarter, wiser, or richer, or even more together. I believe that God wants to use you today to advance his kingdom for the glory of God. I believe it with all of my heart. And so I believe that one of the ways that he wants to use us is in the church. And I know that some of us, when we hear that word church, we might get a little scared because it brings back, we might have a little PTSD, right? Where we're just kind of thinking back on what's, what's happened in the past. But I want to encourage you and I want to talk about rediscovering the church this morning. Because I, this, is, this is a typical conversation that I have. I don't really need church. I don't really need community. I have God. And I'm like, oh, that sounds super spiritual. And it sounds good, but it's not correct theology. And the reason being is because when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, right, right before he created Eve, he created man. And he said, it's not good for man to be alone. God and Adam were right there, but Adam needed more than just God. He needed community. You and I were made for something. We were made for something bigger, something that would thrive, something that is of significance. And I believe this is a topic that is of utmost importance, rediscovering the church for anybody who's really serious about following Christ. Is there anybody serious about following Christ this morning? Come on, amen, right on. Because if there's anybody serious about following Christ, we should wanna grow in love in the things that he loves, in passion for the things that he has a passion for, and and, in hate for the things that he has a hate for, and going after the things that he wants to go after. And you know what? He has a huge heart for his bride, the church. And I'm fired up about the church. And so I don't want to just talk about having a heart for God. I think that's great. But I want to talk about having a heart for his bride, the church. And the church has been a target. 
Uh, it's it's I, the way I, I think about it uh, is you know that battleship game where you would open up your your battleship and and your opponent would open up theirs and they would put these little battleships in different coordinates and then your opponent would call out and try to hit you. I feel like the enemy is just calling out A one B one C one and it's just boom 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 and we're being hit left and right. I believe the church is being you know taken advantage of and just the enemy is completely going after it right now. <clears throat> but I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. I think there's a pruning that's taking place right now. There's a shift that's taking place right now in the church. There's, there's some rough edges that we have. And by the grace of God, he's, he's graciously sanding those rough edges down. <clears throat> and I want to ask you this. If, you were to, if somebody were to ask you how you would define church, what would be your response? Would your response be, well, it's a place that I go to on Sundays or, or it's a place that, you know, we go to, to worship God or it's a place where we go to hear a message. And most of the time when we talk about church, we actually talk about a building, a place where there's a bunch of chairs, you know, there's, there's a, a place for a speaker, there's maybe a steeple with a cross on it. Um, but, but, but there's another way to talk about the church. When we use the word church, I, I don't think we're talking about a building or a ministry or a program, or even a place. I think we're talking about a people. And, and, and the church, capital C, is a people both gathered together and scattered. And I want to embark on this journey with the intent, really, to rediscover the church. The church is a community indwelt by God's spirit. And I'm not talking about like a community, like a, a country club. That's fun. I would love to be a part of a country club. I think that would be awesome. Um, I'm not, but that's okay. Maybe one day I will. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something much more deeper, something that goes more into the relational aspect of a community where there's, there's giving and there's taking and there's, you know, there, there's just something significant there. Maybe you want to call it family. The church is a society of people. The church is a place to encourage and teach and build one another up in the knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ. And so I want to take you on this journey through scripture. And as we go through this journey, you're going to see that the church is in some unique way, the house of God. It's the house of God. First Timothy 3.15 says, the church is the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. 1 Peter 2.5 says, we are living stones being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.9 says that we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. From the very beginning of time, God has longed and desired to be with his creation, us. That's, that's in the Garden of Eden. He, he was there with his creation. And when that got messed up, he found other ways to be with his creation. You remember when the nation of Israel was let go out of the nation of Egypt and called because they were called to a different land. And so they escaped Egypt and they, they found themselves in the wilderness. The first thing that God did is have them make a tabernacle. Why? Because God wanted to be with them. The tabernacle was a, it was a portable meeting place or a mobile home, if you will. It's where God would meet with his children from the time of the exodus uh, of Egypt until they took charge of the land that God had given him, the land of Canaan. 
And after the tabernacle, David assembled. Now, David really wanted to build, but God didn't allow him to because of the blood that was on his hands. But David assembled and Solomon built the temple of God. And it was a home for God to dwell in. And it was an actual physical address. And the people of God would go there to meet with him and worship him. Now, he didn't live there. Solomon says that the heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain God, much less the house that he built. But nonetheless, God was pleased to dwell there in a significant way with his people, the temple of God. But in the New Testament, in the New Testament, when Jesus died on the cross, and we sang about it, that veil was torn from top to bottom, right? No longer do we have to go to a physical building or a physical address. We were able to worship Jesus in spirit and truth, approaching the throne room with boldness. And so now we have become the temple of God. But when we come together as a body, when we assemble as a people together, there is in this unique way something significant that happens. He's inhabiting the praises of his people, enthroned in our worship, elevated in the experience, and he moves and he manifests his glory in a unique way that really is, I believe, impossible to experience on our own. And there's something that happens when we gather together as a people focused on the person of Jesus. That's what the church is all about. It's a people focused on Jesus. The, word, the Greek word ekklesia, which is, you find in the New Testament, it's the word translated church. It literally means called out ones. Called out of what exactly? Well, you're called out of death. You're called out of hell. You're called out of sin. You're called out of being alone. You're called out of being a stranger. You're called out of being without God. But not only are we called out of something, we're called into something. And the Bible says that we're called into the household of faith. Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself, the cornerstone in whom the whole building <clears throat> being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Wow. And, and the end game of salvation is ultimately to live with Jesus forever, right? What did Jesus say in, 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 in John chapter 14? He says, in my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. So I can't wait till that day where we're gonna be in the, the house of God, right? In our own little houses, just, just glorifying Jesus for eternity. And I don't know exactly what that's gonna look like, but I know that it's gonna be a good thing. Yeah. In the meantime, he intends us to be his home. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so as we gather as the church, we become the household of God and he blesses that assembly. And he's excited when we gather together and he's pleased to show you things that you would not see or you would not feel if you were on your own. Now, it doesn't matter where we gather. It doesn't matter if we gather in a house, a cathedral, uh, a movie theater, <laughs> a business building. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's because when, 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 when the people of God gather, it's transformed into the throne room of God and together we form this spiritual house. And it's important to note, I, I, I love to note this, the church, capital C, is one. 
You realize that, right? I mean, Coastal Family, as, as, as awesome as it is, you know, with, with people in leadership here that love you and serve you with all their hearts. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys understand how much time and energy uh, that, that Fred and Denise put into, you know, doing what they do up here on a Sunday. It's more than just, hey, it's Saturday night. Shoot, we got to prepare for Sunday. No, no. They put a lot of time and effort and heart. And the same thing with Pastor Ron Val, and you've got other leaders that are doing the exact same thing. There's a lot that goes into this. There's a lot of heart and soul put into it, but we're not the only church. We're just one expression of the church. And listen, we don't unite with everyone. Huh? Yeah, we don't unite with everyone. Yes, we love everyone, but we unite with those that believe in those closed-handed issues that Pastor Val talked about two weeks ago. That's who we unite with. And listen, even though we unite with one another here, it doesn't mean we're all the same. We're a diverse body, right? Many of us carry different gifts. And thank goodness not all of you carry what I have. And thank goodness not all, I, I don't carry what you guys have. I mean, we need the diverse body. It's, it's just who we're supposed to be. You and I were made for this moment in history. You were made for the church. You were made to be a part of the community. And I believe you have something significant that the church needs. What you carry can change the church and the church can then change the world. There's seven things that we need to know about God's house that I want to conclude with. Seven things. I know we're used to three-point messages. Well, seven-point message right here. (laughs) It's it's not going to go long, though. Trust me. I'm going to try to keep your attention. Seven-point message, which is perfection, right? Yes, come on, come on. All right. Number one, it belongs to Jesus. The house of God belongs to Jesus. Why does it belong to him? Well, for the simple fact that he paid for it. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. He's also the head of it. Colossians 1.18, he's the head of the body of the church and he's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. He's the cornerstone. And, and I like to think again, you know, you know that game Jenga, you know, they have the ones where now it's like huge and it's like life-size Jenga blocks. And, and, and so you pull those blocks out and you're just hoping it doesn't come crashing down on your turn. Jesus is the block that if you pull out, everything comes crumbling down. The cornerstone is the stone that everything else is lined up on. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. He's the Lord of it, Matthew 16, 18. He's the object of its attention, Ephesians 3. 21 to him be the glory in the church. And we see this in the book of Acts. I don't know if you understand this, but in the book of Acts, there's things that are descriptive and there's things that are prescriptive. Descriptive is just kind of describing what the early church was doing. Prescriptive is something that we need to partake in as well. And in Acts chapter two, they were digging into the word. Who's the word? Jesus is the word. They were doing communion together. What did Jesus say? Do this in remembrance of me. They were having fellowship. Jesus said, my house should be a house of prayer. Everything, evangelism, they were telling people about Jesus. Everything was focused on Jesus. It's the center of his, he's the center of, the, the, of its attention. Number two, the house of God is his unstoppable plan to save the world. It's his unstoppable plan to save the world. Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not be able to stop it. The church, if you will, is Jesus' personal building project. 
And it doesn't mean that the devil won't try. We know that the devil's tried a lot. But guess what? You don't win. We know the end. It's unstoppable. And after he hits alt, control, delete in the book of Revelation, guess what remains? The church. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. On the cross, Jesus said, I, it is finished. How could he say it is finished? There was so much more work to be done because he intended to accomplish what he set out to do through the people, his church. And he gave his church the marching orders, right? Go therefore and make disciples in the name and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, such a beautiful passage. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. You know what? It didn't change the world. It changed the church. And the church was called to go change the world. Number three, uh, the house of God creates kingdom culture that is sustainable. What do I mean by that? Well, we're kind of a hodgepodge, if you will, of culture in here. We've got all kinds of people that have come from different states and different countries, and it's kind of wild to see. Like when I first came here, I realized Florida isn't really good on Mexican food. Like what's wrong with these people? Like can we get some good, and pizza, like why don't we have good pizza in Florida? Like from California, like it was the best Mexican food in pizza, just different cultures. The locals are probably like, this is the best I've ever had, you know, like, but it's just different cultures. Well, in the church, in the household of God, we're creating kingdom culture. And this is exactly what Paul did when he used his gifts. He went and he talked to the church at Corinth and he began to teach them that trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit was essential and better than trusting in human wisdom. And it created something in that, that, that church in Corinth. It says in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, it says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. No, no, no. I I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on only on the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he says why he did it, because he wanted to create a culture. He says, I did this so that you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Listen, we learn to steward what God has given us in the church. It's discipleship. It's relationship. And it doesn't always happen just on a Sunday morning. That's a part of it. But it's a Monday morning as the guys are gathering together to study a book that they're reading through and doing life together. Tuesdays when the guys and the gals are having coffee over at the Dominic's, you know, deli, hanging out. That's when those things are happening. Discipleship. Uh, when, when I was a young boy, went to a little crazy charismatic church. You never knew what was going to happen on Sunday. It was super fun. Uh, but, but just went to this crazy charismatic church. We were there. <laughs> My brother and I were just little boys. You know, we didn't know how to even interpret everything that was taking place. But there was a prophetess that came to the church. Her name was Cindy Jacobs, and she comes to the church, and she begins to prophesy. I mean, we're like running 50 people. And so she's prophesying over us. My brother and I, we have no clue. But evidently, we got her attention, so she calls us up. And she begins to declare prophetic words over our lives. And of course, I'm standing there. I'm like, okay. But she says, you're going to be a leader in the church. She tells my brother, you're going to be a leader in the church. And for me, I'm like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, can we go play now? You know, like I, I wasn't sure how to interpret, but my brother, like on a whole different level, like was able to understand it because he began to cry. And so she asked him, why are you crying? He goes, I don't want to be a leader in the church. I want to play for Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> 
there, there, there was something that was deposited in us that day. When I got older and I really became serious about following Jesus, the word came back. You're a leader in the church. And I thought, I got to get my, my acting gear. This is the calling that God is. It happened in the house of God. Thank God for my grandmother who made us go, right? Yes. It's an inseparable part of following Christ. Being a part of the house of God, it's an inseparable part of following Christ. It's the warp and wolf of following Christ. You know, when you build fa fabrics, they use the vertical seam and they use a horizontal seam, and then they use a loom to bring these together. The vertical seam is the warp and the, the horizontal seam is the wolf. And it creates this one piece of fabric that's inseparable. It's one. That's the house of God. You can't say you follow Christ and not love his people. Now you can go to church and not be a Christian, but you can't be a Christian and not love the diverse body of Christ. We live in a day and age where, where many Christians act like they're walking around like vagabonds. You know, they're like, they're like a crab without a shell. And you know, I, I, I've been around long enough. I've been around long enough to where people aren't just hardened because they, they're against it, but they've been hurt. They've been taken advantage of. Some of you here have experienced that. And I just want to say on, on behalf of the church, I'm, I'm sorry. Like I really am. I, I want to ask for your forgiveness because that's not the heart of Jesus. It's going to happen because things get messy. You know, even in your own families, you know. You know, it's going to get messy here in this family too. But, but nonetheless, we are called to be a part of the body of Christ and we need what you have. You are significant and what God has given you is significant to bring to the church. It's foreign to the New Testament to, to not be a part of the household of God. When you read through the book of Acts, you will never see. In fact, when you read through the book of Acts, you'll see there's both believing and belonging. Christianity was a team sport. Hebrews 10, 25, do not forsake the assembly. Did you know that a statistic today is less than half of Christians, this was actually right before COVID, but less than half of Christians are regularly attending Sunday services? It, it breaks my heart because I know most of them probably have really good justification not to. And after COVID hit, it just really went down. And, and then we found an opportunity where we could just go online and watch it. And it was more convenient. But church was never made to be convenient. It was made to be a family and to be relational. And yes, those statistics break my heart, but I believe God is up to something big. I believe there's a shift taking place. I believe God is doing something in his church today. Listen, the house of God, number five, will not work if you don't sit still. Psalm 92, 13, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. If we're gonna flourish, then we have to be planted in the house of God. We bought our first home in California and it was amazing. We were excited, but we had this little bitty front yard. It was, it was, it was kind of annoying. And somebody had decided to plant the largest trees you could possibly find in our little bitty front yard. And there were these weeping willows that would just grow and grow. And so finally one day I'm like, babe, we have to cut these down. And so I, I, I had this big truck come and I'm, I'm cutting limb after limb. And I finally get down to the trunk, the very bottom. And I leave a little bit and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna have one of my buddies has got an F-350 come over and we're just going to wrap a chain around this sucker and we're just going to pull this right out of the ground. And so sure enough, he comes over and he wraps a chain around that sucker. And here we are doing a man's thing. We're excited. Kids stay inside. This could get dangerous, you know, type situation. And literally his bumper almost ripped off the truck and we had to stop. 
We had to stop. I'm like, what the heck? I thought it was a powerful truck. And so it, 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 it was not that powerful because the roots went so deep. I ended up having to go to Home Depot and just simply buy one of those stump grinders and grinding it down and then planting some grass over that because the roots went too deep. That's what we're talking about. To be planted in the house of the Lord, our roots go deep and deep. Colossians 2, 7, having been firmly rooted, and now being built up in him, established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Church hopping, church shopping, church stopping, it's not really an option for us, guys. And I get it, there's seasons that we go through where maybe, you know, I've been to four different churches in my lifetime, and each of those have been a, a, a justified reason, I think, you know, where the church just stopped and I had to go somewhere else, you know, so, or we moved from Kansas City to California, but it, it was foreign to us to try to find another church, and so when we moved and we had to find another church, it was really awkward. I'm like, it's like searching for a, like your bride. It's just weird. Like, we don't do that. Like, it, typically it just happens, you know, so it, I don't know. Anyways, but that's, that's not really an option. What's that? <laughs> it's, it's not really an option, you know, and I've heard, I've even talked to husbands and wives that go to different church sometimes. And, and I, I, I don't want to judge and I want to be careful because I don't know their situation. I don't know their, their circumstance. I believe if we're going to call one another up to our calling, it's best done in relationship. And so most of the time I don't have a deep relationship with these people. And so I don't say a whole lot, uh, but I'm like, oh, really? You go to different churches? That's, that's odd to me. That's weird because church is a community. It's not a building. It's not a place we go. It's actually a community that we're involved in. Why would you not want to have your spouse with you? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they're getting a rest. Church is a people gathered, a community where there's accountability, there's provision, there's teaching in context. I love teaching in context. How many of you love listening to podcasts? I love listening to podcasts, but we often get that teaching out of context. We don't know what's going on in their church, but we're hearing this teaching and it's good. And we're like, amen. But we don't know deep down what's actually taking place and why the pastor felt so compelled to teach that particular message. Teaching in context is what you get when you belong to a house of God. It's a way to operate in your gifting. It's a way to care for the less fortunate. If you want to grow up, then you have to grow down. And in order to grow down, you have to sit still. No one has ever changed the world being part in and part out. Number six, and we're almost done here, it extends your reach. Being a part of the household of God extends your reach. When you're a part of the body, you're a part of everything the body does. Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body being fitted together and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. And so we're all this connecting tissue in the body of Christ. And we all have a part to play because there's diversity in the body of Christ. And if you don't play your part, then it hurts ultimately the church because you're an important part. Yet we all have the same job. The body's job is to hold the head Jesus up. Living in the house also comes with some ownership. Ownership. Now, many times, you know, uh, you hear somebody talking about church, and you're like, oh, I go to so-and-so's church. Oh, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. But I go to so-and-so's church, so much better. Like, and, and, and it's like this competition thing that's happening, and it's so-and-so's church. No, 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 it's your church. Take ownership. This is my church. This is, this is my church. Mikasa Sukasa. And we have a vested interest, and we're better together. 
And I want to encourage us that we can't be too critical. It's always easy for me to look at the government and tell the government while watching or reading the news, you're doing it wrong. You don't know what you're doing. <laughs> you're right there with me and maybe they don't know what they're doing. But it's easy for me to do that without being in the inner circles as to how that decision was made, why they decided to do it this way. And so I want to be careful not to be too critical. And I think it's important to look on our leadership and be very careful at not being too critical. Number seven, it can never be big enough. This is Matthew 22, nine says, go therefore to the main highways and as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and they gathered together all they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. Wow. The church, capital C, can never be big enough. It's God's plan A to save the world. There is no plan B. The church is the body of Christ, and I believe she's going to succeed at making disciples of all nations. In other words, the nations will experience transformation. I believe that with all of my heart. Do I cry out for Jesus to return, Maranatha, as the scripture says? Yes. As soon as I read the news, I cry that out. <laughs> but I have to believe there's hope for today, and there's a future for tomorrow for the church. I have to believe that. And I believe the nations will be transformed because we serve a big God and the gates of hell will not prevail. And being a part of the church is not something, you know, we're a part of so we can escape the world. That's not what it's about. It's not about escaping the world. No, it's about seeing Christ's victory in people and in nations, even in the face of resistance and conflict. And we're called to overcome in all circumstances in times of prosperity, in times of influence, but also in times of suffering and persecution. And that's how we do it, because we do it together. And listen, I want to make a prophetic declaration as I conclude. If I could just go ahead and have the worship team come back up here, we're going to go ahead and conclude. But I want to make a prophetic declaration this morning. And I believe this. I see a new generation being raised in the church. A generation who will not bow the knee to Baal. A generation of people committed to Jesus who will carry an eternal echo. I'm not talking about a generation of Christian celebrities, but ones who truly walk the walk. A generation who aren't looking for, a, for fame or a platform, but rather who are on a pilgrimage, undistracted by the things that are going on around them and unashamedly pioneering the kingdom of God in a world who is looking for something significant, something big and something right, which is only found in Jesus Christ. God is raising that generation, not as lone rangers, but out of the family of God, out of the household of God. So there's accountability and empowerment that takes place there. I believe it with all of my heart. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for, for your word. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you that you are a good God and that you're the one that leads the church. You're the one that leads the church. And, Father, I just pray for, for any of us who have gone through some stuff with the church, with people in the church, with leaders in the church, and I just pray for supernatural healing right now, Lord. I pray that you'd begin to raise up this generation within this church, Lord. 
that you begin to disciple and just empower this church to, to, to be an influence for your kingdom in this world, Lord. We long to see you move and we surrender as a church to you, Lord. We surrender as a church. We pray for that shift, but we know that it begins with us. And so, Lord, shift our hearts so that we might align our hearts with your heart. Allow us to hear your heartbeat for this generation, for this time, for this moment in history. And thank you for making us, Lord, for this moment in history, Lord. And this is what I want to do because I know in a crowd like this, there's many of you who are hurt by the church. And I, I, don't want, I don't want to call you out. I don't even want you to, to stand up per se. I just want to pray over you real quick because I've been there and I know the pain and the hurt and the confusion. And a lot of times nobody means to hurt, but there's so much confusion that takes place that people get hurt. And so Father, it, 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 I just pray supernatural healing right yes. now, Lord. I pray the peace of God. The enemy is the author of confusion. You are not. And so I pray for clarity. Lord, and if we've made leaders or other people and put them in place of Jesus, I pray that we would learn our lesson and we would put you back in that place. I'm reminded of the story that, that Jesus told Peter when Peter thought he was doing a really good job in forgiving so much. Jesus says, <laughs> you need to forgive a lot more than that, Peter. And this is why. And he tells the story and the story is to illustrate an extremely important point, And that is the father has forgiven you of so much, Peter. How could you hold anything against anybody else? And so, Father, I just pray that you would help us to learn how to forgive one another for what we've done. And I just pray for a building up, Lord. A building up of your church. And I pray that you would teach us how to come alongside one another and be the body of Christ, to be the family of God that you've called us to be. And I pray that in Jesus' name.